0: A very good morning to all of you, and thank you for the warm welcome. Although I taught uh, Anthony New Testament, he ended up specializing in the Old Testament. And that shows you how great a teacher I was. So, uh, yes, if ever they did well, it's because of God's grace and innate ability. And uh, good morning also to those at the Hub, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and also friends, and i bring to you greetings from trinity theological college and these greetings of course come to you from my fellow colleagues my students and also the support staff and we want to thank you for your support constant and unwavering support all these many years trinity is your college that's why you have this trinity sunday every year and how did we become to your college well it all began a long long time ago during world war ii when the japanese came into singapore and there well you know those were dark days and there they imprisoned together all the leaders of the different christian denominations and in prison where conditions were dragged malnutrition depression whatnot you know in prison these leaders banded together and saw a vision And they decided that if ever the Lord were to set them free, they want a better day for the Church of Singapore. What sort of better day? A day where Christian churches can be united and non-Christians, the whole nation as it is, could see the unity of Christians in the land. And to bring that about, they decided to found a union college. That's the defining label of Trinity, union college that is different denominations will come together to support that college with the intention that pastors future pastors will be trained in the same locality from different denominations and being trained in the same place they would make friendships across denominational lines so with these friendships that means there will be cooperation amongst the churches so that was their dream And in 1948, three years after they were released from prison, they came together and founded a union college. So there were three denominations then, the Anglicans, the Presbyterians, and the Methodists. Because the Methodists were very kind to us. You have been our strong supporter, the strong supporter all these many years. So the first campus we had was at Mount Sophia. And the land belonged to the Methodist Church. They gave it to us for... One dollar. You don't find this kind of gifts except in Christian ministries. So later when the government acquired the land, we moved to Puketima, Upper Puketima. Again, the Methodists bought a piece of land and they gave it to us for one dollar. So thank you very much, Methodist Church, for supporting Trinity. And I need to complete the story. In 1967, a fourth denomination came in and that's the Lutheran Church. Now, when they came in, of course, the questions started generating. Eh? We had three then. That's why the name Trinity is congenial, right? <laughs> and of course, Trinity also reminds us of the unique doctrine of God that only Christianity has. One and yet three. So with the fourth coming in, should there be a name change? Okay, I mean, the Wesleyans are familiar with quadrilateral, you know, you can call it quadrilateral theological college, and that will be unique in the whole world no college i know is called quadrilateral i'm not sure whether that was contemplated at all but it was decided finally that the name should remain as trinity so 1948 then the new member came in 1967 so next year will be our 70th anniversary that's where we come of age okay so over the years we have gone through many interesting you know uh, how shall i put it interesting bits of history i guess Ups and downs, but through it all, the Methodist Church, your church, have not abandoned us and has supported us. And over the years, too, our repertoire and our responsibilities have grown, so we have very strong regional responsibilities today. Maybe just for this congregation, because it's younger, I would like to introduce one program. Before the 70th anniversary comes about, which is next year, we have started one program this year uh, to address one need. We, together with the Diocese of Singapore, we sense that amongst the young people, and those maybe in the middle age, there is this strong desire to serve the Lord in the mission field. Now, they're not thinking of themselves as long-term missionaries. Neither do they want to do short-term mission, just six months, you know, because they thought that is more to benefit themselves than the mission station. <laughs> they, they, they go there, they need to be orientated, need to be looked after, and at the end of six months, without doing anything much, they have to come back to Singapore. So they wanted to do something medium-term. Now, we don't have the term for it yet, so, so It's called call it medium-term missionaries. You can call these people who want to give a tribute of their life, or people who want to fight their life. So how are we to train these people? So we put together a program to give them the foundation so that they can go out to the mission field to be good support staff of missionaries. And after a few years, to return to their jobs in Singapore. So we have doctors, engineers, well, engineers come in, come in because of development, stuff like that, teachers, and also young people having a gap year just to be there overseas. To find out more, you can contact my colleague who's in charge of the program, Dr. Leonard Wee, or log into our website. Okay, so thank you very much for your support. And as I reflected on the history of the Trin- uh, of Trinity Theological College, I'm led to consider this passage from Second Kings chapter five, which is the story of the healing of Naaman. You're familiar with it, and I've entitled my message "A Strange Providence." Now, if you find the term "a strange providence" mystifying, I can give you a subtitle. And the subtitle will be, This Little Light of Mine. You know the song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So we want to look at 2 Kings 5, where you have this very strange moving of God. Just as it happened in 1948, through some unfortunate circumstance, yet Trinity was born and something good came about. So the story of Naaman, allow me now to read the passage to you. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1-6. to Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, And ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, "With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy." You know the story of Naaman very well, but today I want to focus on a different character that started the ball rolling. It was only because of a participation that you get this miraculous cure of Naaman. I'm referring to none other than that girl who was enslaved. Okay? I want to make three points and I'll give you the three points right from the start so that if you fall asleep at least you know you got the three points. I've never considered myself a good teacher or preacher, that's why your pastor Anthony went to take Old Testament. So before you fall asleep, three points, okay? And all beginning with the letters U and C. Okay? U and C. U C Hope you see the point, okay? The first, point, <laughs> the first point we want to explore in this passage is what I call an unfortunate captivity. Something unfortunate happened to a young girl. And then from the first point we move on to the second, which is an uncanny chance. How that unfortunate captivity opened up an uncanny chance such that without that captivity, that chance wouldn't open up at all. It was through that captivity that this chance opened up. Okay, and then finally we will look at an unending consequence. What happened here isn't just for something that is temporary, it has eternal consequences. So the three points, all beginning with letters U and C, an unfortunate captivity, an uncanny chance, and an unending consequence. So a strange providence. I was told by your pastor that his very first, your senior pastor, uh, his very first sermon here was from this passage, if you were to recall. And he entitled it NNP. Okay? NNP, right? No Name Person. Just as when No Name Restaurant, No Name Staff, it became famous. We have this No Name Person which was the girl. And I want to mention to you later the implication and of you know of not naming this girl for our readers today so let's look at the story again you know the story of the healing very well i will recount it for you i don't have much time but let's look at the story of the girl starting with verse 2 now bands from aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from israel and she served Naman's wife what kind of political situation was taking place then well it was this you have israel the northern kingdom and to the north of israel would be the land of aram which is modern day syria okay they were not at war but they shared the same border and there were tensions between the two nations once in a while you get marauding or raiding troops coming in from the other country to take booty or to do human trafficking and on one of those occasions banned from aram came into israel and captured a young girl now you need to take that fully in and then realize how unfortunate this is this was a young girl we were young ones teenagers children we have our dreams one day when i grow up i want to be a doctor But all our big dreams i'm sure this girl would have Dreams too. Marrying maybe someone, being a good mother, doing this and that. But when she was captured, all those dreams would be dashed. And she was captured to be a slave. A slave. So, if the slave master was good, she would still be a slave. No freedom. If the slave master was bad, she would only have terrible days ahead of her. Put yourself in her shoes. That's a situation, a circumstance you don't want to be for you. Being captured when young and made a slave. I have a young daughter. She's 10. I can imagine how I would feel if she was kidnapped. But what I feel, my pain, wouldn't be compared to her pain. She has to live it out. So this girl has to live out her captivity. And this was not during the time of war. During the time of war, many people were taken captive. But this was not war. Why is it that among so many people, she must be the one to be captured? And not only that, she belonged to Israel. Where was God? Why didn't God stop these raiders and save her? No, she was captured. She could have heard of stories of people being delivered by the Lord. But why wasn't she delivered? In Hokkien today, you probably would say she is sway, very sway. very sway. wrong place, wrong time. And all the dreams dash. An unfortunate captivity. We feel for people like this. maybe you may be like this. perhaps your past was of that kind, an unfortunate circumstance leading to terrible life that you are experiencing now. So this girl had that. But the story didn't end there. Now you have the second part of the story, which is about the uncanny chance. And this has to do with Naaman. Now Naaman was a general, highly accomplished. So if you are thinking of the question, how could we reach this man with the gospel or with the word from the Lord? Usually our modus operandi would be this, right? To reach the upper echelons of society, you need the upper echelon, right? To talk to a CEO, you have a Christian CEO. To talk to a minister, you have a Christian minister. Because we guys, you know, Malay tak jalan, we have no, no chance. Correct or not? So that was what we thought. Naaman, being in that position, it would be very hard for the Gospel or the Word of the Lord to reach him. There would be too many layers of security for you to penetrate. Almost unreachable. And yet, two things happen. One, Naaman, although highly accomplished, had leprosy. And this sums up a lot about life on earth. Many of us are like that. We call it the B-U-T, not B-U-T-T, that's terrible. The, maybe some will say B-U-T. The but of life. What is the butt of life? You have people who have done so well in all these areas could have maybe reached that position, but he startles. You cannot make him CEO. He has the brains, but he startles. So he cannot be the front man. Or some people with all the gifts of speech can speak very well but kosong, empty up here. You know, that the butterfly of is like that chink in your armor that threatens to undo everything. If only that chink is taken away. The same with Naaman. Highly accomplished. Through him, the Lord gave him victory, you know, over Israel. Great man. But he had leprosy. leprosy being a skin disease was disfiguring. You can imagine he would be the butt of many jokes amongst his soldiers. Of course, you wouldn't tell it to the commander, but amongst yourself, you're you're, you're a great general, great general, but ugly. He would have tried many cures, gone to see many doctors, being somebody from high up, all the doctors of the land would be available, but he wasn't healed. He had leprosy. And now, this is where the opportunity opens up. A man like this would never think of going to Israel. And no Israelite would be able to penetrate the layers of security to talk to him. The strange thing was that there was this slave. Captured to be a maid at home. And now she spoke up. If only my master knew about this prophet in Samaria. That prophet would be able to heal him of his leprosy. A simple word, a simple testimony given at the right time, in the right context, and by someone who was enslaved. But because she was enslaved, she could now enter the household and speak personally with the wife and through the wife to Naaman. So there you are. It was because of that captivity that there was this opportunity for the God of Israel to be testified in the home of Naaman. Now this is true not just in the Old Testament, you find it in the New Testament too. For example, Paul and Silas being imprisoned in Philippi. And how that led to the conversion of the Philippian jailer. Now when we do our Bible study, we seldom let this word sink in, You know the word jailer. We're dealing with a jailer here. You know what a jailer is, right? I mean, the jailer has seen all kinds of people from all walks of life. The hardcore, the terrible, the cowardly. They've seen everything. People like that, you would believe it is very hard to reach them with the gospel. Before you open your mouth, they have so many things to tell you. You share with them what experience they have, 10 to tell you, to counter yours. We are talking about this jailer probably hardened in life. If he were to walk the streets of Philippi and heard Paul preaching, probably he wouldn't cut much eyes with him. Because he believed has seen everything, he has known it all. But it took the imprisonment of Paul and Silas. they in prison. They conducted a worship service. They sang praises to God. Not just them, other prisoners joined in. A strange group of prisoners, you know. Normally prisoners would be weeping away, cursing and swearing. After all, there's nothing to lose. They must not curse, curse for whoever comes your way. They sang. Maybe, the jailer thought, this is just my reconstruction. Maybe the jailer thought they were singing to boost their morale. You know, you need a morale booster just to go through the hard times in prison. Even so, what happened later was that there was an earthquake and doors flung open. And usually when doors flung open in prison in the past, everybody will flee. Whether you're innocent or not, because you know there's no justice. But this group remained behind. A strange group. They remained behind. The jailer thought they sin everything in life. This is the first time he's encountering these strange people. They don't flee. And that brought him down to his knees. and Asking Paul, what is this? Why are you so different? So it was the imprisonment of Paul, which is so unfortunate, that opened up this opportunity for Paul to testify. And through that, the jailer got the message in a very authentic way. It's not just this. When Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, he mentioned the same thing imprisoned in rome but because he was imprisoned he has this opportunity now to share the gospel with caesar's household now all these are biblical stuff long ago let me bring you to a story that is closer to our time you may have heard of the missionary by the name of jim elliot jim elliot immortalized the phrase he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose." Something like that. Well, the words may not be exactly the same, but the idea is there. Now, Jim Elliott made those words because he was a promising young man with a great future ahead of him. And he wanted to serve the Lord to be a missionary. Now, this is really bonkers. you know. People would have thought, even amongst Christian parents, uh, sometimes you have a few children, you say, okay, you are the bright one, doctor. Not so bright, but cunning, maybe lawyer. Sorry, I'm just being nasty here. And then, then, then the dummy here, uh, sorry, I'll take that back. I mean, you can't imagine, okay, all bright ones, okay? <laughs> and then the dumbest of all, you know, oh, you'll be a pastor, you'll be a pastor. You know, we think like that, okay? So, sorry, I'm not your pastor, that, that's me, yeah? So, when the bright one A's in school, scholarship, want to be a pastor, they say, oh, yeah, what a waste. They say, what a waste, am I right? Your brother, the dumb one, it's okay, not a waste, but for you, what a waste. You know, Jim Elliott was like that. So, when people thought, what a waste. What a waste. If you're a dummy, go. Missionary, fine. You're bright. And then he made that phrase. I'm no fool. Because I'm giving up what I can never keep. In order to gain what I cannot lose. All these things the world is going after, they will disappear one day. I want to do something that has eternal value. Eternal permanence. Great man. The kind of members you want in your church. The kind of pastors and missionaries. And do you know what? Not long after leaving for the mission field, he got martyred. He got killed. And you ask God, God, why? There's so many missionaries, there's some bad ones, get them killed. Okay, you know, he martyr has some story of them. That that guy we want, that guy we want, he will be the leader, the influencer in society. But you have his life taken away when he was so young. God, how do you run your kingdom? We were asked questions like this. He was taken away. What's going on here? He wants to serve the Lord. And then he died at a very young age. But hang on, the sequel was this. Now the wife continued his ministry and went to see those people who killed him. And the people were shocked. We killed your husband. Why are you here? Aren't you afraid we may kill you? And that gave her the opportunity to share from her heart her love for them inspired by the love of God. And the tribes got converted. Now you need to understand this. If the wife were to go before all these events happened, the tribal people wouldn't have seen the authenticity of her love or the gospel. But the husband's death, unfortunate as it may be, opened up this opportunity. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying bad circumstances are good, I'm not calling evil good here. All I'm claiming is Romans 8 28 where we have this great conductor, great orchestrator, who can use evil things to bring about good. And this unfortunate captivity of this girl opened up an uncanny opportunity or chance for the word of the Lord to be shared. And Naaman took it and went to Israel and was healed of his leprosy. My time's almost up, so my final point. I wanted to tell you about how Naaman got his leprosy cleansed, but that's another story. But the sad thing is that you have two servants. One, the girl, you know, telling the truth, and then you have Gehazi, uh, scoundrel. But anyway, that's another sermon for another time. eh? But let's come back to my final point, an unending consequence. So what we ask? Well, what the girl did, simple as the testimony may be, led to an eternal outcome. Because we really believe Naaman came to know the Lord, the true God of Israel. How do we know that? We know that through the question he asked. Usually, it is through questions that you know whether people understand stuff or not. Certain questions reveal to you they don't understand what's going on. Some questions, well, oh, this guy knows. they're carrying it further, you know. So Naaman asked this very important question. He now has come to believe in the one God of Israel, and then a problem started surfacing in his head, and it was this. He was the most trusted man of all the king's soldiers. You see, the king, when he goes to worship his God, will be in his most vulnerable so-called situation, right? Uh, Alone, you know, you don't have too many troops, so that was the best time to kill the king. So the king, therefore, would need someone he could trust to go with him to his temple to worship his God. And Laman was that man he could trust and the king when going to the temple would be bowing down before his god and now Naaman's question is this when my king bows down i cannot not bow i can't i have to bow with him prophet i have to bow with him i hope it's okay of course you guys great christians will say ah no no we stand up for the lord but this was a young believer the fact that he asked this question Man, that he knows that that God of his king is an idol, not a true God. Well Israel's God is the true God. If all these are gods, the question would, now, would not have surfaced at all, right? Just worshiping another God. But because he knew that was not a God and the true God is from Israel. Now his problem is that I'm a general. Okay? I have to bow with the king. And Elisha's great answer was this go in peace. I do not know what your Bible study does, oh go to counseling. I don't know. No counseling. Go in peace. You see, so that reveals to us Naaman really believed in the one true God of Israel. And the story was later related or recounted by Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 4. And this is the point. Leading someone into the kingdom will outlast anything you can do on earth. Let me put that again. A lot of what we do Will disappear. Even though you may be a famous founder or whatever, your name lasts maybe three or four generations. After that, not many people re- remember. Your boss is there to gather moss or gather dust. What really lasts are eternal lives. And this was what the girl achieved through a simple testimony and unending consequence. I used to wonder, I still do, whether the story of Paul to Damascus has any relation with this. You know, Paul, out to persecute Christians, took the road to Damascus. Damascus is part of Aram, (laughs) ancient Aram. And there he met the Lord. And after meeting the Lord, the Lord did not say, go back to Jerusalem. But now go to Damascus. And there, further word will be given. So Damascus was used later to bless Israel. So, All these things, powerful and wonderful. And yet, the girl was not named. Who's this girl? Shouldn't she be named? For us, having our name immortalized is important, right? But for the girl, it is being remembered by God. That's important. So the name is never related, never recounted for us. Why? Why? It's not simple just to give us the name. No name. One of the reasons may be this. No name because this girl could be you and me. could be everybody here. And if you want, put your name down there. In your unfortunate circumstances, may the Lord open up uncanny chances for you to bring about things that have eternal consequences that lasts forever. Let me now conclude. So what are the take-home points from this sermon? May I mention just three very simple ones? If this story is anything to teach us, it must be that we have to learn to trust the Lord. That's what faith in God means. We trust the Lord through all circumstances, good ones, bad ones, ups or downs. We trust the Lord. And we don't just trust the Lord. Number two, as we trust the Lord, we learn not to be bitter. Some of us are defined by certain circumstances they make us bitter. Am I right? I think you understand this. Like someone who has hurt you very badly, you're very bitter, very angry. And when that person is promoted, smiling, well, it makes you even more bitter. Okay? And you try to show your bitter face in front of the person, the person didn't get it. That makes you even more bitter. Why can't he understand? I'm really, really, really angry. Alright? So, that guy who caused the bitterness, it's like, you know, nothing. Whatever does it. And you, the one who had the bad circumstance, now suffering like crazy, is as though that evil continues on. As though you are giving power to the evil did, uh, done to you, so that you continue to suffer the consequence. And if we learn about this wonderful God who moves in mysterious ways, Let us not be bitter. Let us trust God that out of this, something important, eternal, can come about. And then finally, if that's the case, let us learn to shine in all circumstances, bitter or good. Let us shine for Christ. You know, we are the lights of the world, we would call ourselves, as the motto of the college. And like fireflies, we like to gather together, (laughs) bed together, security fun. But there will be dark corners in the world where nobody wants to be there. But your light is needed. Because some lost soul may end up being there. Let me end with one hymn. There is this hymn that we sing quite often in churches. It's called, uh, Let the lower lights be burning. Sorry, Pastor. Save time. One minute, very quickly. Uh, There was this shipwreck that took place and that inspired the song the shipwreck took place during a stormy night the lighthouse was on operating so the captain could see where land was okay but the harbour lights were off so although the ship was heading towards the harbour unfortunately it crashed against certain rocks certain you know structures there and there so that prompted the hymn writer to write this brightly beams our father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. God sends out his miracles, do his great deeds. Okay? Brightly beams his fire. Okay? But to us, he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. So, the lighthouse of God will shine. Like Naaman's leprosy, all this in God will orchestrate. But the lower lights are needed to bring these people truly home. And that girl, instead of being bitter... Shone for God as that lower light. And this is often our task. Wherever we are, whatever happens to us, may we learn to shine for our Lord. Who knows? Through that simple testimony, you may not think much of it, it may sow the seed of eternal consequence. And that's the motto of Trinity, Lux Mundi, Lights of the World, and that's what we're committed to do. Pray for us as we shine for Christ, as we teach our students to shine. And may the Lord use you to shine and use you greatly in ways you could never imagine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that your word may take root deeply in our hearts. I do not fully understand the circumstances of my audience here. Some may be going through certain difficult problems, certain challenges, whatever it is, Lord. May you speak to them and minister to them. And may they realize, Lord, that even though life may be hard, it may be, open, it may be opening up new opportunities for them to be truly your children, to do things of eternal value, so that life after that will be seen to be greatly meaningful for them. Do it for our sake, for the sake of our families and friends, and for the sake of our nation. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.